Hey everybody, welcome to Mariner's Church. Thank you so much for joining us. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why am I here? That sounds like a big existential question. I, I get it, but it really doesn't have to be. I mean, I'll go to Safeway and I need bread and I'll stand in front of the aisle that has 100 feet of bread and I will ask the question, why, why am I here? And it gets worse than that. Now that I'm older, sometimes I'll go into the garage to get something and I'll stand there cluelessly and ask the question, what? Why, why am I here? But things are opening up again around our state and, and wherever you are, I hope. And it's good for us to ask the question, particularly in a setting like this, a church or a worship setting, or as we even stand before God, to ask ourselves that question. Why am I here? Today really is about God, and it's about why God put us here, and about how we can be part of this great thing that he's doing in his world. But it's also about a God who has been faithful to us. In the next few moments, what we're going to be looking at is not only understanding why we're here, but first we're going to be talking about this God who is faithful. Now, I understand faithful. I understand how sometimes a dog can be faithful to its master or an athlete can be faithful to his team. But all of a sudden to have a God, God who is greater than anything we could ever imagine, he calls himself faithful, faithful to us. And we're going to be spending a few moments thinking about that faithful God who no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're feeling, no matter what we're experiencing, no matter what we're thinking, God is going to be faithful. Let's worship, let's think about, let's consider our faithful God. And I prayed so in earnest to Jesus, I said, this is way too much. I am just putting this at the foot of the cross, Lord. Take this burden, please. Well, where we are, things are beginning to open back up again after COVID, and uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, for 18 months, we have actually been in a whole different kind of a world and environment, and uh, things are beginning to just feel like they're freer again. And in fact, during this past 18 months, uh, things have happened differently even around church. Churches weren't allowed to hold services. We here at Mariners have had to hold stuff out in our parking lot, and we're just now beginning to come back. And as people are beginning to come back, there are actually lots of surveys and lots of studies being done about attendance and about watching and, and about how people are feeling about even coming back into a place to worship. I mean, how important really has church been for many people in the past 18 months? And actually, a lot of responses are this. Look, for 18 months, I haven't gone to church, and I realize after 18 months, my life's not that different. It hasn't gotten that much worse. Therefore, why do I even, what? Why do I even need a place like this? And that's a good question. Because we're we going to be starting a series calling, calling it, Who Are We? And we're going to be looking at who we are as a church family, but also why has God said that there's an importance of connecting and gathering together in this thing called the church? Now the Bible says this, God's unchanging plan from the very beginning of time has always been, wait, stop, 
Let's stop right there. And I want to stop here because there are a lot of ways that this verse could go. And so let's do a little bit of a fill-in-the-blank test, okay? And you tell me what you think, actually, the way that this verse should end. God's unchanging plan has always been, from the beginning of time, been A, wait for me to mess up so we can get on my case and make me feel guilty, or B, ruin all my fun with a bunch of rules, or C, make my life happy, or D, torment humanity by creating Brussels sprouts and tuna casserole, or E, other. Hey, let's go with other, and let me read the verse in its entirety. The Bible says this, God's unchanging plan from the very beginning of time has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. you got to love that. It talks about God's unchanging plan. And that involves me, and it involves you, and it involves God, and it involves Jesus Christ. And it says that God's plan has been to bring us to himself through Jesus Christ, consistent with absolutely everything the Bible says. It leads up to Jesus. It points to Jesus from the Old Testament, and it points back to him in the New Testament. Jesus said he is the way to God. We come to God really only through Jesus Christ. Now, it also says that his plan, his forever plan, was to adopt us into a family. And when we become part of, of Jesus Christ, a family is formed. A family of other believers who are also adopted into God through Jesus Christ as well. Now, what is this church called? It's called a family. That's what it is. A family is called a church. Now, we all know church is not a building. And if you can remember this, you know, here is the church. Remember this one? And here is a steeple. And you open the door and, you know, here's all the people. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Um, actually, it says, here are the people. And because here are the people, this is the church. Jesus did not say, um, I'm going to build a business. He didn't say I'm going to build a government. He didn't say I'm going to build a nation. He said, I am going to build and I'm going to adopt people into a family. A church is, first of all and foremost, I think it's family. Now, a lot of times people will say, you know, I love Jesus. You know, I think Jesus is a great guy. But I don't need the church. In fact, I don't like the church. I think back in my years in church, and I, who, who even needs that? I don't even like the church. And when I hear somebody say that, I know two things. Number one, that person, if they are a Christ follower, is very, very young in their faith and very immature in their understanding. And I also know, number two, they really don't yet get what God is doing. Because the church is called not just Jesus' family, but it's also called Jesus' bride. You know, bride, you know, dum, dum, da, dum, 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 da, dum. You know, that kind of a bride, that's what it's called in the Bible. And that's how close he is to a gathering like this, calling it his bride. And if somebody were to say to me, you know, Paul, we like you a whole lot. We like you, Paul. We just don't like Lisa very much. We really like you, but we don't have any need for Lisa. Like you, not her. I'd go nuts. I really would. I'd be bugged, and I'd be pretty upset. 
because we're one. She's part of me. She's part of me and I'm part of her. It's kind of basically, look, if you love me, you love my bride because we come together. We're part of a package here. And that's what I live for. I live for her. And if you love me, you will love what's most important to me, and that's my bride. The Bible says Christ loves his church, his bride, and he gave his life for it. And, and, and there is a, a huge value that Jesus puts into his church. Not the building, I'm talking about the people. The people that recognize that we need Christ and we come together because this is what Jesus would want us to do. Now, we all know that what has, this year has been like as far as coming to a place and even doing ministry. For so many months, there was nothing. I mean, just nothing. Nothing was going on. And you could actually take advantage of nothing really happening in buildings. You could watch, you could watch a worship service in your boxer shorts. You know, we learned actually that you could speed up the message and actually get as much out of it as before when it's on two times as fast. We learned that there are actually other worship services that have really good graphics and lighting and programming and, and smoke machines, you know, all that kind of stuff. You could watch great shows on Sunday morning. We've also learned actually that when I watch I don't have to give, I don't have to serve, and I don't have to greet people that I don't want to greet. And we've also learned, out of sight, out of what? Out of mind. And I can, I can tell you this, it's easier for many to live without being part of a church. It honestly really is a whole lot easier to live life without being part of a church. I think it's true. I think it's easier. But of course, it's not what? It's not better. Because if this is the family of God, then there are all kinds of benefits that you and I get from it. If God's big plan was actually to adopt us all into his family and for us to come together and meet and build and grow each other up, then there are going to be benefits in coming together and gathering with people. So let's look at a few of them, okay? Let's look at some of the, I would say, the metaphors that the Bible would use for what the church family of God is like and the benefits that I can get, that you can get from these. Okay, first of all, let's use the one family. We, we talked about that a moment before. I learned my, actually, my true identity because I am I am in God's family. Now, um, I, was, I was born a middle child. I'm a, a middle child. Um, any other middle kids out there? If you're a middle child, wherever you are, just put up your hand. You know, uh, um, you know what it's like. You know, the first one was what? The first one was the favorite. The first one that was born that was the favorite. And the last one was spoiled. And you're stuck right in the middle. And my little sister watches this and she knows this is all true. She understands this. And here we are, the middle children, right here. And we're not the favorite and we're not the spoiled ones. We are just what? Absolutely and completely the most well-balanced of anybody in the family. That's what a middle child actually is. But... No matter who you are, whether you're first, middle, last, or anywhere in that spectrum, 
we do learn our place and we begin to have an identity shaped by our family, our natural family. Now, learning for us, your identity from your natural family has a lot of ups if it's in a healthy situation, but it can have also have some problematic things going on as well. In an unhealthy family, a lot of times, we were not accepted for who we are. We always had parents that were trying to push us into something that maybe we weren't cut out for. Or maybe we had siblings that were always trying to put us down because we were excelling in things that threatened them. And so sometimes you come away from your, from your natural family never perfect enough or never popular enough or never tough enough or never thin enough or never got good enough grades or never made first team, never meet any expectations of your family. And so people come out on the back end of it and Boy, we deal with them, your friends, people that sit in my office and talk. Um, eating challenges, a lot of times it's from family. Anger issues, family. Emotional challenges, oftentimes from family. Now, now, now again, there, there are some great families out there, and maybe you were blessed to, to grow up in a great family, and you came through completely unscarred, but some don't. And that can play havoc on a person. And your identity has a lot to do with your growing up. The Bible says this. And, and, and it's just a simple verse. But it means a lot to me. It says this. God puts the lonely into families. Now, there is a secondary family that God provides for us. Of people that are kind of maybe in recovery or needing help, or needing some strengthening, or needing some patching from their first family. Remember what it says? You are members of God's very own family. And you belong in God's household with every other Christian. In a sense, what God has said is, you know, I'm going to design not only a first family for you, but a second family. And in that second family, you're going to learn exactly who you are, loved cared for, important, valuable, and you can be affirmed for who you are. And we can find acceptance here. Someone mentioned to me the other day that they heard the phrase around mariners, no perfect people allowed. And we say that a lot here because it's really true. We come with already the, the presupposition that there's no perfect person here. In fact, if there were a perfect person that came in, we wouldn't allow them here. They'd show up the rest of us. We don't allow perfect people because we know obviously nobody's perfect. And we all come here by grace. God loves us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so a church becomes in this way a place of help and healing. This is what the Bible says about a local church family. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Do you realize that 
that when you come here or when you connect with people here, if you can accept them, you may be one of the first accepting voices or people that they've ever had in their lives that accepted them for who they are. And there's freedom in that. Because we can realize that God has accepted me with all my screwed up life. And if he's accepted me for that, then I can accept you for that. I love that. I can be accepted here no matter. Second, the second thing. I can discover my unique value. My unique value because I am in Christ's body. And all of a sudden now the metaphor changes from family to body. And it likens the church to kind of like like a human body. I love this. It says this. You are Christ's body, meaning the church. And each of you is an individual part of it. Have you ever had your leg fall asleep? Ever had your leg, you know, you're sitting weird on it, and all of a sudden your leg falls asleep, and you, and you scrunch up, it has no feeling, and when you try to do something with it, it you know, it's kind of, you know, it, it collapses on you, you know, and, and we think well, it's because you cut off the blood circulation. Actually, it's not that. Actually, what you did is you pinched the nerve. The nerve got pinched enough so that there was no communication between the nerve and the brain, or between your leg and your brain. And what happens is finally, you, when you stand up again, all of a sudden, they're trying to reconnect. They're trying to figure out what's going on. But until that time, your leg or your arm is just kind of hanging there and, and doesn't do much. And, and it's funny when that happens, and it serves actually as a good way to look at this movement that Jesus is doing. It's like each one of us, each one of you and me, we're like a living part of Jesus' body. We're a, 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 a digit, a finger. A, it, listen to what the Bible says. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. And to me, this always blows me away, because a lot of times we think, well, church is just a place to attend. But looking at the way God designed it, it's just not a place to attend. It's a thing to be a part of. Each of us is a part He goes on to say this, if the foot says, talking about the foot, if the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does does not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear were to say, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not the eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? And the answer, of course, is no, It's it's all part of the body. We're all part. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything. And you get it. It makes sense to you. Church has never been a place where you just simply go and sit and soak and attend and then leave. And some of you have an ability to truly help other people that will only be energized when you find your place and when God gets a hold of you and you're affirmed and helped and built up by others. And some of you have an incredible ability to encourage, to love, to help, to show compassion to listen. All right, I just had lunch today with, with a, a friend of mine, and he's, we've moved out of the area and had to go through the whole thing of looking for another church home, and he's found one. He just says, I just don't know what to do there. I, I just don't know what to do. And I said, well, you know, you're kind of becoming an old guy <laughs> like me. Go take a younger guy to lunch and just talk to him about his life in Christ. And tell them about your story, about how you found Jesus, 
and how Jesus is the most important thing to you. And that'll suffice. The Bible says our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Meaning that there are things around here, or if you go to another local church, there are things that no one else in that body can do but you. Nobody. Nobody else can do it. I'm hearing of studies being done that God has known this all along, that the happiest people are and the most fulfilled people are those that are involved in helping and serving others. And we knew that. We've known that all along. God knew that too. Last is this. I find my greatest growth in God's field. Now, the metaphor changes away from the body to actually more of a vineyard or a field where God is growing us. Everybody I've met um, wants to make a difference. Everybody wants to make some sort of a difference in life. No one wants to just simply be a shadow here and then gone away. Um, and they want to make a contribution in life. If you're a parent, you don't look at your little baby and say, boy, I hope you accomplish nothing. No, no, you don't say that. What you say is, I hope you accomplish a lot. I mean, I remember looking at my kids saying, I hope you become the founder of a high-tech company and make a billion dollars so I can retire early. No, I didn't say that. But we want people to be actually successful and grow and actually have fruit from their lives. Where can you best do that? Where can you best find the growth to have your fulfillment of becoming everything you want? Jesus said this. This is what Jesus said. He said, remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And there's that metaphor. There's that story. It's kind of like a vineyard. It's kind of like a garden. Jesus says this, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is telling me that the fruit I bear in life is dependent upon being connected in him. And honestly, you'll never be as productive as God intended if you're not connected to God in a church family. Because it teaches you the questions to ask. It helps you with the priorities to understand and the values. It keeps you accountable. And people then can ask you hard questions and you can work with them to come to the answers for that. And it exposes you to God's spirit working in your life. And, and, and honestly, you'll be a better father, a better mother, a better student, manager, technician, because you're connected to the source, to the vine, to Jesus Christ. All right, let me, let me wind this up, because we're finding that we're coming back into life again. And church, all of a sudden, that may have been very close to you, very dear to you, started becoming on the option list of what to do. Some of you may even be checking us out online watching this. You're kind of saying, well, maybe, maybe there's something I'm missing in my life. Um, and maybe 
you're saying the doors are beginning to open up and I'm going to need to check out a place like this. And what you're going to realize is that just simply watching or just being a bystander is not enough. And you'll feel God prompting you to step in, to step up to the plate. And we have stuff that can help introduce you to the God that loves you. And there's a point where maybe you'll say, I'm going to cross this line. And I'm going to trust Jesus for myself. Or I'm going to start saying, I'm going to ask God, and I don't know where it's going to take me. But I'm going to ask him to begin to work through me into the life of somebody else. Hey, we're coming through one of the harder times in ministry here. I mean, it has been a crazy time when we've had outdoor services. We're dodging bird poop falling from the sky and, and wind and people yelling and honk, cars honking. And, and then in here, we're recording to an empty room and we're kind of finishing that era. But if it was hard for us with God to kind of make it through this time, can you imagine how hard it's been for people without God? I was just thinking about that, and I've had people that know Christ deeply and know God, and God's walked with them through this. Can you imagine what it would be like to walk through this without God? So we want to, and things open up, rise quickly, and love deeply, and become part of making this place all it can be. And my invitation, Millie, my invitation to you is to be a part. If you're watching, hey, come back. Um, there are people here that need your words, that need you. You're part of this body. There's someone here that needs you to greet them, to love them. If you're considering being a part, be a part all the way through. When this all started, um, somebody said, you know what, we as Christ followers, we're made for times like this. And I believe it's true. And I believe we're made for times like this as we're beginning to move into a whole new era. Let's be part of that together. God has given us a great place. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I, th I thank you, God, that you have allowed us the privilege of hearing about your greatness and your goodness and your faithfulness to us. And we've heard a story of someone who's experienced your faithfulness. We've sang songs about it. And you've been faithful to us to this time. And Father, now as we think about the role you have for us as a church on this coast side, I pray that we would return that faithfulness back to you. We would be more committed, more focused, more alive in you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.